You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Episode 15, Jehovah's Witnesses, Part 1. Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ is a spirit creature, a super angel, the first creation of Jehovah God, who prior to coming to earth as a man, existed in heaven as Michael the Archangel. Jesus started out originally as the Logos. Or Michael the Archangel. Who then came to earth as the virgin-born son of Mary. He was a perfect, sinless man. But he was only a man, devoid of all divinity. Jesus walked the earth as a man, becoming the Christ only when he was baptized. Jehovah's Witnesses hold the cross in contempt, feeling that it is nothing more than a pagan symbol used by apostate Christendom. Instead, they teach that at the completion of his ministry, Jesus died, not on the cross, but on an upright stake. Christ's body was then laid in a tomb where it was disintegrated by God, totally destroyed forever. Jesus was then recreated by the Father. Before going to heaven, he materialized in different bodies on different occasions to convince his disciples and others that he had really been resurrected. Jesus returned to his Father in heaven where once again, he became Michael the Archangel. He will never again be seen on the earth in visible form, but instead rules invisibly from the heavens. When he executes judgment over the world at Armageddon, he will destroy all but the faithful Jehovah's Witnesses. Michael, who will always remain invisible to those on earth and can be seen only by the 144,000 select Jehovah's Witnesses who rule with him from heaven. You may have seen Jehovah's Witnesses at your own house because they may have knocked on your door one day. Made famous in TV and movies as the smartly dressed, very polite people who knock on doors, the group actually primarily waits in public for people to approach them now. 
but the tenants are still the same. And you're going to hear from a woman named Dawn Wilburn Sabo today telling her story of living in the witnesses and then leaving the witnesses and survival afterwards. Welcome, Dawn. For those who are unaware, can you explain what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe in? You know, they've used both books, both sections of the Bible. You know, they um, don't believe in the Trinity, which would be one um, separation. They don't think that God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one entity. They think they are three separate entities. Um, they are fundamentalist and very literal. You know, they don't do birthdays because John the Baptist's head got cut off at a birthday request. They don't, um, you know, celebrate holidays, even things like Mother's Day, because of scripture around um, false idols. Um, they, uh, again, you know, they take a lot of the stuff around the husband being in patriarchy out of the, out of, you know, parts of the Bible. Um, they believe that unlike most Christians that believe in heaven and hell, they do not believe in heaven and hell. They believe that, um, well, that there is heaven. They don't believe that when you die, you go to heaven. They, they believe that there are 144,000 angels, people that died and did go to heaven, um, a select group. Other than that, that's all of the humans that will become angels. And once that number has been satisfied, which I'm sure they think it has been by now, no one else is going to heaven. Everyone else, when you die, you're dead. There's no spirit that lives on. So they think that Satan is still, you know, working amongst, among us and, de and demons. And because of the challenges that the Garden of Eden and Satan brought up um, about human goodness and sin and all of that, they believe that there'll be an Armageddon will come, which is when God lets, uh, I mean, God wipes the earth clean, basically this giant war or whatever catastrophes, things to end all. The people that live through that um, will have a, will begin to rebuild the paradise, the earth into a paradise. And people that have died um, and who have not been disfellowshipped, anyone else, um, gets to come back and help rebuild this paradise earth and be tested one more time. And so once the earth is restored and everyone's been resurrected and everyone's in paradise, Satan will have one more chance to turn us against God. And if we do, if you turn at that point, then you're just dead forever. And the people that make it through will live forever in a paradise earth and Satan will be destroyed. So this is a group that believes that the apocalypse will happen within our lifetimes. You are living with the idea that any day Armageddon is going to come and you better be on the right side of that equation. Because um, for someone like me, for this fellowshipment, you know, you're like a Judas Iscariot, right? You, if, you've, if you've been baptized, then, and then you get disfellowshipped, they use a scripture, they use a phrase like you've known the face of God and you've turned away. So it's like you're dead, right? Like that is like complete death. And in their mind, it's eternal death. That's why they ostracize you in the moment, because now you're like you, you're the worst of the worst. I mean, if you, you can't even come back and get a second chance, like you've already done, you've already known and you've chosen the wrong side. I mean, it is apocalyptic. I mean, you live in that with, with that thinking. 
Now that's, I think, you know, like I said, especially if you're someone that's kind of a rule follower and a worrier, um, that's why you're in earnest all the time. Because what if it's tomorrow and I just said, I hate, I just thought I hate my mom and tomorrow Armageddon comes. Maybe I'm out. Don, were you born into the Jehovah's Witnesses? So my parents were 17 and 18 when they got pregnant and had me. My dad was still in high school. They were both raised in churches, but like my, my dad was Church of Christ. My mom was Lutheran, but my mom um, doesn't remember ever even having gone to church with her parents. Like she did some Sunday school with like the neighbor, but it wasn't like they, they didn't pray or do anything really. They just called themselves Lutheran for whatever reason. Um, my dad's mom was a lot more religious, but once he said he didn't want to go, she didn't force it. So, um, and they are still in those churches. Um, my, uh, parents, you know, got it immediately. They were, my dad was really into the drug culture. This is in the you know, early seventies. And, um, my mom was kind of staying at home and working like a part-time job with me. And my dad was, you know, working and getting stoned all the time. And when I was two, the Joe's witnesses came and knocked on the door and my mom was really unhappy and thinking about, I've been thinking about leaving and not staying with my dad at this point. She's 20. Joe's witnesses came knocking on the door, preaching, you know, paradise earth. It kind of appealed to that hippie side of them. And my mom started going, the meetings are not like your normal. It's not like going to the Catholic church where this guy's up on a pedestal and everything is very daunting and high ceilings and lofty and all that. It's the, the stage is like a step up, right? It's very casual. I mean, everyone dresses, but I mean, that's this, it's very casual. Everyone's encouraged to talk. You know, there's a lot of, they're singing three or four times in the night. It's a lot more, um, I guess casual or humble. They think, they think it's humble. I should say <clears throat> there's not one person, you know, there's a body of elders, which you probably know about. Um, so it's just <clears throat> my, that all of that appealed to my mom, that and this paradise thing, not the dying and going to heaven, but this idea that the earth would be restored to paradise. Um, <clears throat> so she went for about two years until my dad and then my dad started going. So, I was two, and so from the time I was two until to this day, they're still in it. Um, I was raised in it. And um, <clears throat> the, I guess, I mean, if I was just going to say, the next thing is people are like, well, how'd you end up leaving, right? So when I was probably 14, I started, you know, just kind of wanting to do normal teenager stuff. I also, um, started to question the patriarchal side of it. You know, the I was a straight-A student, and, you know, but from the beginning you're told, you know, you don't need to go to college. Well, first of all, you don't want to associate with all those non-believers. You should just get married right away, have, you know, have a family or whatever, and be, you know, have your life in the church. I mean, that's what you're told from the beginning. And so... As I got older and kids around me started talking about things like college or doing different things, you know, I started thinking, well, you know, if I'm a good student and I'm da da da, you know, why would I just want to get married? You know, or just play house, you know, I, what if I want to do some other stuff? What kind of job can I get? You know, like I started 
not so much having ambitions, but just wondering why, why it was so limited. You know, my dad worked full time. My mom stayed home full time and that did not appeal to me. <laughs> and so, you know, you just start having all these little seeds of things going down. Um, you know, I started fooling around with boys a little bit. We moved to a new town the year that I was 14 and those Jehovah's Witness kids, um, were smoking and drinking and, you know, making out and stuff on Saturday night. And then, you know, Sunday getting up and going to church and acting like no big deal. Right. And so that was kind of the first glimpse I saw into doing something that wasn't allowed and kind of fake and kind of faking it and leading this double life. I had not, that had not ever occurred to me. Um, you know, the, the reason I would consider now Joe's witnesses a cult is they really, they try to have their hands on every second of your life, right? I mean, you go to church three, three times a week. Well, we did. We went three times a week. And then on the nights we weren't there, there was some kind of study that we should be doing to prep for the next day. Usually Friday night, Friday was the only day of the week that I didn't have something I was supposed to be doing that night and prep for the next day. Saturdays we went and knocked on doors, no matter, I grew up in Ohio, so even when it was negative 20 degrees, we still did it. <laughs> and then every morning, you know, at breakfast, we said a prayer, we read from a little daily prayer book, we talked, you know, every meal you pray, um, every thing in your life. You know, I went to school where they said the pledges of allegiance. I had to sit for that. You know, back then you still had where your whole fall was preparing for the Christmas pageant and singing Christmas songs. Well, I had to sit in the hallway uh, for three or four months a year because I couldn't participate. <clears throat> it just, it's hard to, to explain to someone that hasn't grown up in that kind of a church how much just every minute of your day and every thought you have is like, what should I do? Is this okay? Is that okay? And I was a very anxious person. And so I would lay awake at night and replay in the day. You know, I had cursed at school because some kid dared me, you know, and then I would lay and I'd pray like, please don't strike me by, you know, don't let me get struck by lightning tomorrow. Don't turn, you know, like all these biblical stories. Don't turn me to a pillar of salt. <laughs> you know, like I lived in like fear all the time um, because you thought God could read your mind. I mean, that, that's the most powerful thing they do is they say God reads your mind. And so, you know, your my mom was very abusive. And so she would hit us. Or something. And in that moment, you think, I hate you. And then later, and I would lay awake and just pray all night long thinking, I'm sorry I said that. I'll never say that again. I'll never say that again. For more on this episode, including the rest of the interview, bonus episodes, and bonus material, including production notes, head over to patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. You can find Unbelief on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can visit the website at onbelief.com. <laughs>